Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks wrap up their mini two-game road trip out west this evening. On today's episode, I'll dive into a preview of tonight's matchup with the Seattle Kraken, as well as an update on the rest of the Central Division as we're now nearing the halfway point of the regular season. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome on into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can go and give me a quick follow on X at Jack Bushman 2, or you can go and check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And also, just a reminder, if you like what you're watching today, or if even if you're a regular audio listener of the podcast, make sure to go and show some support on YouTube if you could by smashing the like button, commenting down below, and of course, subscribing to the Lockdown Blackhawks YouTube channel. It won't cost do anything. It's 100% free and really does help me out tremendously. So please make sure to go and take care of that. You can also go and turn on those push notifications to get notified when the episode is uploaded each and every day. And today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is sponsored by FanDuel, the best place to bet on the NFL. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning bonus bets with any $5 Moneyline bet at America's number one sportsbook. All right, good morning, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. Out west are the Blackhawks for the second consecutive game as they wrap up their mini little two-game West Coast road trip tonight with a matchup against the Seattle Kraken at Climate Pledge Arena. Another lovely 9 p.m. Central Time puck drop for all those who are wondering. I know how much I... Uh, me and the fans out there all love those 9 p.m. starts so much. Nothing like staying up till midnight to watch this great Chicago Blackhawks team. But this will be the second meeting between these two squads within the past 16 days. The first meeting back on November 28th at the United Center resulted in a nice 4-3 victory for the Blackhawks. They raced out to a nice 2 to nothing lead before kind of allowing Seattle to get right back into it with Two goals there late in the first period that had the score knotted up after 20 minutes. But then I really liked the resiliency from the Chicago Blackhawks in this one to go and reestablish that two goal lead in the second period. There have been so many times this year where once momentum kind of falls onto the back of the opponent, it never leaves there. Nice to see the Blackhawks in this first meeting go and regain that momentum themselves, establish that two goal lead, and then go uh, go on to hang on to that margin for the four to three victory. Peter Mrazek, that was enough for him uh, in terms of a cushion to get the job done. And since then, it has just been a brutal skid for the Seattle Kraken folks. They were losers of eight consecutive games until they busted the Florida Panthers by a score of four to nothing on Tuesday. That's their only win that they've picked up since the first meeting with the Hawks back on November 28th. So it has just been some tough sledding for them. And that currently has them sitting 9-14-7 to kick off the regular season as they've been losers of 21 of their first 
30 games. And it doesn't help that they've also been plagued by injuries recently, which us Blackhawks fans know all too well about. Kraken are currently without Philip Grubauer, Jaden Schwartz, and Andre Burakovsky. All three of those players are on injured reserve at the moment. And those are three pretty crucial parts. Their starting goaltender, Jaden Schwartz, is one of their better offensive players. And Andre Burakovsky's only played in seven games this season. So even though the Pacific Division has kind of been up for grabs, it feels like there's a top four and then the bottom four probably going to be contending for the number one overall pick this year. Uh, the Kraken haven't been able to take advantage of some lower level competition, especially as of late, as they're just two, six, and two over their last 10. And when diving into the Kraken, looking at some of their numbers, uh, I believe I mentioned this during the first matchup as well, but this is a group that really struggles offensively. And now that they're without Jaden Schwartz, he's one of their three players who have eight goals this season. Uh, it's been even more of a struggle for them. I believe they have just. Uh, 10 goals total in their last six games. And like I mentioned, four of them came on Tuesday against the Florida Panthers. Their leading scorer on the season in terms of goals is Jared McCann. He's the only one with uh, double digits. He's got 13 this season, which would be the team lead for the Blackhawks as well, but probably pretty indicative of how much the Kraken have struggled offensively when Jared McCann is the leading goal scorer. And diving into some of their players, Maddie Beneers is having a real big sophomore slump. He's only got four goals and 13 points in 30 games this season. And a lot of their heavy lifting has been done by Vince Dunn, funny enough, from the back end. I believe he's their uh, second leading scorer behind Olivier Bjorkstrand. So, yeah, offensive struggles galore for both sides here as of late should make for a very entertaining late night matchup. And then in net for the Kraken with Philip Grubauer out, uh, Joey Decord. Uh, is probably the one who I imagine is going to get the nod in net this evening coming off of his first shutout of his NHL career. And he's actually been pretty solid despite rocking a four, five and six record. That's 11 losses and 15 starts this year, but he does have a 2.73 goals against and a 902 save percentage. So that's something to consider. The defense actually hasn't been atrocious. The goaltending hasn't been terrible. Philip Grubauer still hasn't been very good ever since uh, he's gotten the bag, but Joey Decord has stepped up in his absence. I figure he's the one that's going to uh, get the start in goal tonight, but all in all, breaking down this matchup, even though the Blackhawks are shorthanded themselves on the back end, we're still not sure if Seth Jones or Kevin Korchinski are going to be back tonight. I'll get more into that in just a second here, but it still feels like a really good opportunity for the Blackhawks to go and pick up just their fifth victory in the last 17 games against a struggling offensive group and an injury-plagued Seattle Kraken bunch. All right, there are my final thoughts on the matchup for tonight's game. Coming up in just a moment here, Blackhawks fans, I'll dive into the Hawks' projected lineup and who could be in for a healthy scratching among the forward group. Stay tuned. But first, I need to talk to you all about FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Again, that's $150 if your team wins outright on just a $5 money line bet. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. Because football season is getting into the nitty gritty here as we're starting to creep towards the playoffs and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Just pick any team to win on the money line with a $5 bet. If you're a new customer, you'll get $150 in bonus bets for that victory. And you can use these bonus bets to bet on anything from 
the money line to the point spreads to player props over unders and much, much more all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus when you win, what I love about FanDuel is they pay you out instantly. There's no waiting around like what happens with some other books. FanDuel makes sure to get you your money ASAP. There's no better place to bet on the NFL than FanDuel. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to start earning your bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of the National Football League. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, the Blackhawks play the Seattle Kraken tonight at 9 p.m. Central Time puck drop, as I already mentioned. And it's the second time these two teams meet in just over two weeks. And you can go and catch all of the action of the Blackhawks hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. All you have to do is just search Blackhawks. Segment two, per usual, with a game day. Let's dive into what we could see out of the Blackhawks lineup tonight up in Seattle. And the Blackhawks were supposed to have a practice yesterday, which would have given us a better indicator of what the forward group was going to look like, what the defensive pairings could be, if Kevin Korchinski or Seth Jones are going to be able to rejoin the lineup after missing last game against the Edmonton Oilers. But unfortunately, the Blackhawks, their flight got delayed to Seattle due to fog, which is just kind of uh, an example of how it's going right now for them. Nothing is going clean. Nothing has been easy. They didn't get in their day of practice that they wanted before taking on the Kraken. So we're still a little bit in the dark here in terms of what the lineup could look like. I'm recording this at 9.30 in the morning central time, meaning still 7.30 a.m. in Seattle. So a couple hours removed still from the morning skate. But I'm really going to talk about what I think the lineup will look like and also what I believe it should look like for tonight's matchup. First and foremost, last game, we saw Coach Luke Richardson jumble up the forward lines for the first time in a little bit. Anthony Beauvillier was demoted from the top line with Bedard and Kurashev down to the second line. That led to Ryan Donato returning to the lineup after missing a couple of games due to an illness. He got put up on the top line. Beauvillier joined Tyler Johnson and Taylor Radish. The 17-16-15 trio was left alone, but Cole Gutman, was bumped on down to the fourth line with Lucas Reichel along with Mackenzie Entwistle as well. But despite those changes, Reichel in the fourth line didn't really do that all that much. They were pretty absent in the outing against Edmonton. Bovillier, Johnson, Radish, that second line didn't do all that much. And Donato didn't really look like a good fit along with Bedard and Kurdyshev on the top line. So to me personally, I would be jumping jumbling up these forward groups here this evening. And I mentioned this on yesterday's show. It's time to it's time to remove Lucas Reichel from the fourth line. It's not accomplishing anything, and the results that Luke Richardson wants to see, I, I just don't think he's going to see them right here, right now. It's too big of an adjustment for Reichel to make to do it just like that. I think this is something that's going to take time, and quite honestly, it's something that he's probably going to have to make adjustments to in the offseason. It just kind of revolves around being stronger on his skates and harder to take the puck away from. Those are the biggest things that I think he needs to work on moving forward. And it's kind of hard to get that much better at those things immediately. So to me, I think there are only a couple of options. Like I said, on yesterday's episode, it's either send Lucas Reichel to Rockford, but if they do, they got to make sure to give him a real good talk. I mean, they, they don't want his mind to be in the wrong spot and you want to make sure he understands that he's still a focal part of this rebuild here in Chicago, even though things aren't going well right now, 
we don't want that to impact what he could be down the road because he still has the abilities to be a special player, still only 21 years old. Yes, is it disappointing that in a year where we fully expected him to be ready to make that full-time leap to the NHL, and not only that, but to be an impact player for the Chicago Blackhawks, neither of which have been the case. Yeah, that's disappointing, but I still don't think it's the end of the world. What I hope is that fans don't treat Lucas Reichel like they did to Kirby Doc. I hope they learn from that mistake because judging a player at this age and being so hard on them, uh, it's not going to get them anywhere. And it's not going to do the player any favors. Uh, I hate that Kirby Doc seemed like he wasn't ever having fun those last couple of years with the Blackhawks. And I felt like it really impacted his play. And I don't want that to be the case with Lucas Reichel because he is a special kid and has special abilities. He's just got to find a way to put it all together. So if they do go to that route with with him going to Rockford, they have to give him a real good talking to and make sure to kind of butter him up and make sure he's on top of his game when he does go back down there. And that all mentally is a-okay. I know that's hard to do, but those are the things they have to take care of if they want to go that route. The other option, which is what I would go with here this evening, Blackhawks fans, is just put him back up on the top line with Connor Bedard and Philip Kershev. And then if it doesn't work, I think there's no choice but to send him back down to Rockford. That kind of leaves no stone unturned in my mind. So I personally would like to see Lucas Reichel back on the top line here this evening, even though in Luke Richardson's mind, he probably doesn't deserve it. I don't think healthy scratching him is going to do him any favors and neither is leaving him on the fourth line. So that's my ultimatum. On the second line for the Blackhawks tonight, I do think you leave Anthony Beauvillier there. But personally, I would be making a little bit of a change here on the second line and You all know, if you're a longtime listener and viewer of the show, you know that I'm a supporter of Taylor Radish, and I was really impressed with the season that he had last year, potting 20 goals for the first time in the NHL. He has not been able to build off that at all, and there was a three-on-one rush that the Blackhawks had against the Oilers. Pass goes over to Taylor Radish. He goes to one-time it and just completely flubs it off of his heel. Blackhawks wind up with no shot on goal, no scoring opportunity there. That's kind of synonymous with how Taylor Radish's whole season has been going. And I mentioned at the end of segment one, I think there's another forward that could be deserving of a healthy scratch. It's Taylor Radish, man. He just hasn't been good enough. He hasn't lived up to the expectations. And that second line has been absent for the greater part of this sec- uh, greater part of this season. And Taylor Radish has kind of been a staple of it all year long. So to me, I would send a message to Taylor Radish. I think it's time for him to get a healthy scratch. And that's coming from someone who is a backer of his. So to me, I would bump uh, Taylor. I would bump Cole Gutman back up on the second line as the center between Anthony Beauvillier and Tyler Johnson with Taylor Radish serving as the healthy scratch. We'll see if that winds up happening. I doubt it, but hey, maybe me and Luke Richardson are kind of thinking along the same path. 17, 16, 15, absolutely leave them alone. Jason Dickinson, by the way, do want to give him a shout out for uh, wearing the third A on his sweater when the Blackhawks took on the Oilers with Seth Jones being out of the lineup. Luke Richardson mentioned he's a guy who's deserving of it, not only because of his play on the ice, as he's already tied a career high with nine goals this year before we've even reached Christmas, but he's also taken on a bigger leadership role with the youngsters and turned into a real good veteran in the locker room as well. Those are things you love to hear. You also love to see Jason Dickinson turn it into a certified goal scorer with nine goals already in 28 games, I believe, this season. For him, you leave that line alone. But then on the fourth line, with Cole Gutman going up, in my opinion, and Lucas Reichel going up as well, that would leave uh, Ryan Donato, Mackenzie and Whistle, and Reese Johnson. As far as the defense goes, like I mentioned, we're still ahead of the morning skate. So 
We'll see if Korchinski or Jones are able to come back. I know Korchinski has been dealing with a family matter. Uh, he's from Saskatoon, by the way. Once again, just hope everything is going all good for the Korchinski family. Um, but if he is able to make his return, Saskatoon isn't like terribly far away from Seattle. It's already pretty north. So maybe he's able to make that trip. I feel like that's more likely than Seth Jones coming from Chicago to rejoin the group before uh, they return home. So we'll see if either of them are able to make their return, though. But if not, that would leave the Blackhawks with the same six defensemen on their active rosters they had in Edmonton, Alex Vlasic, Louis Crevier, Isaac Phillips, Connor Murphy, and Philip Ruse and Nikita Zaitsev. Would be nice if we could at least get Kevin Korchinski here back this evening. And then I figure we're going to see Arvid Soderblom in net, giving Peter Morazic a couple of extra days off before they return home and take on a red-hot Vancouver Canucks team on Sunday. You probably want to have him in goal for that one. As far as my three keys to victory go uh, for tonight up in Seattle, number one for me is to limit the odd man rushes. This was kind of a problem for the Blackhawks in the first meeting at the United Center. And if you all remember correctly, this was the game where Kevin Korchinski got bumped up to the Blackhawks' top power play unit in place of Seth Jones but then he was guilty of two really dreadful turnovers that led to two goals late in the period for the Kraken, and he was quickly demoted. But I outlined all the offensive struggles that the Kraken have gone through recently. Don't give them any odd man rushes, especially when they're shorthanded. Matty Beneers had a shorthanded, or it was Alex Weinberg who had a shorthanded goal in this first meeting. That's been costly for the Blackhawks all year long. I mentioned that Seattle only has 10 goals in their last six games. Don't give them anything easy out there. Don't give them any odd man rushes. My second key to victory is for the defensemen to be physical in the dirty areas, in front of their own net, uh, below the goal line, behind their own net. Those are some areas that have led to some issues for the Blackhawks recently. The Washington Capitals in the game on Sunday got a couple of insurance goals that way by just crashing the net and then a couple of turnovers behind the Blackhawks goal line against the Oilers led to the puck going into the back of their own cage as well. So those are a couple of things I think the defensemen need to work on, make sure that they're taking care of business in front of their own goaltender. And then third, last but not least, I know it could be tough with Kevin Korchinski and Seth Jones not playing. It leaves like Alex Vlasic as uh, the power play one quarterback, but the power play, the man advantage needs to get to the dangerous areas. They need to get the puck in the middle of the ice, middle of the offensive zone. There have been, Far too many um, power plays where the Blackhawks have just been circling the puck around the corners and dumping it around the boards and not getting anything anything sustained, not getting anything settled. That's something they need to work on this evening. Get the puck into those dangerous areas. Find Taylor Radish if he is in the lineup. He's someone who does have some good net front presence. Find him in the middle. Find those guys in the bumper areas and get Connor Bedard some dangerous shots from the left circle with a one-timer. Those are some things that the Blackhawks really could work on uh, with the power play kind of struggling again these last couple of games. All right, coming up in just a moment here, Blackhawks fans, I will dive into a big update on what's going on with the rest of the NHL Central Division. And I'll also discuss Craig Berube, Chief, getting fired by the St. Louis Blues on Wednesday. But I also need to talk to you all about AG1. Wow. Need to find this real quick. Apologies. Look at look at how good that was. AG1 is the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. And I gave AG1 a try. Man, it's been over a year now. I constantly have it 
stocked up on my shelves because I drink it every day to give me the energy that I need every single morning. It's a simple and single solution that supports my entire body and covers all of my nutritional basis. I drink AG1 whether I'm going for a workout or a run in the morning or before I'm going and jumping on the show or even if I'm just heading to work because it makes me feel unstoppable. It has me fully ready to go and I love how I've covered all of my nutritional basis. Thanks to AG1, covering my basis couldn't be any easier. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing in the morning. And I also like it because it costs less than $3 per day, which is pretty good if you go and ask me. If a comprehensive solution is what you need, then go and try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Again, Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network to check it out right now. Back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're still tuned in to this point of today's episode, let me just say thank you very much. I really do appreciate all of your support. And if you haven't done so already, make sure to go and smash that like button, comment down below, and subscribe to the YouTube channel to help your boy out. And also make sure to go and check out Lockdown Sports today because Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever, ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, segment three. I mentioned on the show yesterday that I want to be talking more about what's going on around the rest of the NHL as we're now 30 games into the season, which gives us just a little bit of a better understanding of where every team is at at this point and just what it looks like they're going to be able to accomplish. And today, I wanted to dive into what's been going on with the NHL Central Division thus far, who's been the biggest surprise, who's been the biggest disappointment, all that good jazz. And I think it's fitting that we dive into this because just a couple of days ago, when the Blackhawks actually were taking on the Edmonton Oilers late on Tuesday night, I believe I said Wednesday night heading into the break, the St. Louis Blues elected to fire head coach Craig Berube, Stanley Cup winning coach for the St. Louis Blues that I know all too well about as someone who went to the University of Missouri during the time of the St. Louis Blues Stanley Cup run. I know how beloved Craig Berube was by the St. Louis Blues fans, but after what's gone down the last couple of years following their postseason exit to the Colorado Avalanche when they went on to win the Stanley Cup, the Blues really were the ones who gave them the best run for their money. But since then, a very lackluster first half to last season, which led to them trading away a lot of big names such as Ryan O'Reilly and Vladimir Tarasenko, it still felt like I mean, I talked about this in my Central Division preview heading into the season, but it still felt like they had enough pieces to be a decent team. I had them penciled in as, I believe, the number four team in the Central Division to make the playoffs this year, according to my predictions, but they just haven't been able to do it. They're off to a 13-14-1 start, pretty inconsistent, lots of ups, lots of downs, never able to uh, muster up much of a winning streak and the offense has been very disappointing and they have one of the worst power plays even worse than the Blackhawks in the entire NHL so ultimately that led to kind of a crashing a colliding and 
uh, felt like the Blues were just kind of stuck in that limbo territory. And ultimately, they ended up making the decision to fire Craig Berube, even though I will say, I don't think it was his fault. Because if you go and look at the St. Louis Blues cab friendly, I really believe, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a Blackhawks fan and the St. Louis Blues are not only the hockey team I most, but the hot, the uh, hockey, yeah, holy cow. Not only are they the hockey team that I hate the most, but they're also the professional sports franchise that I hate the most. But I've always been unbiased with the St. Louis Blues. I have a lot of good buddies who are Blues fans. We shoot the shit and talk hockey all the time. So I, I know how to talk about the St. Louis Blues unbiasedly, and I'm not biased when I say they probably have the worst roster management or financial management that I've seen. I mean, they just gave out term to everyone, everyone on the roster. They gave term to like the entire defense, Tory Krug, Marco Scandella, Nick Letty, Jordan Bennington and that Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas. They gave Braden Shen. They gave out just these unreal contracts in terms of term where they were locking these guys up for five to six years when yeah, they went on and won the Stanley Cup that year, and it's great that this group, what they were able to accomplish, but they also kind of forgot that they were a last-place team for half of that season and really haven't been able to kind of rekindle that same magic ever since. And that's the concern with when you win the Stanley Cup going and signing your big boys to big contracts. That's the issue that comes with it. So to me, this really wasn't a Craig Berube problem. Yeah, the team had kind of fallen flat, and maybe his message had fallen stale in the locker room as well. But this ultimately comes on down to Doug Armstrong in, in the general manager seat because how this roster was constructed is absolutely horrible. It's back St. Louis into a corner. And unless Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, and a couple other young pieces become superstars, it's really hard to see them getting out of this hole that they've really been backed into. But getting into the rest of the Central Division, there are just my thoughts on Craig Berube, kind of similar to the rest of the head coaches in the NHL that have been canned. I don't think he deserved it, but kind of. Uh, a tough spot in terms of where the franchise was at led to that decision. The rest of the standings, though, for the Central Division, um, what I want to dive into here real quick, how about the Colorado Avalanche, the Dallas Stars, the teams that I had, and probably most people had penciled into numbers one and two in the Central Division. That's where they are at right now for the Avs. The usual suspects, Nathan McKinnon's been a stud already up to 41 points this season. Kale McCarr is phenomenal. Miku Rantanen is one of the most underrated players in the entire NHL. They're doing their thing out there. The Dallas Stars, offensively, they have been really solid this season, even though Jake Ottinger has been good, probably hasn't been as great as they were hoping for, but the offense has just been phenomenal. How about this? There are only three forwards on the Dallas Stars who have played in 20 games this season who are not in double digits in terms of points already. The depth scoring that they have is phenomenal. And then we know what they have on the back end with Miro Heiskinen, Asa Lindell, Ryan Suter, plus Ottinger and that. That's really the strength of their team. But the offense has certainly picked up the pace. Joe Pavelski's been great. Matt Duchesne has been a great pickup of theirs as well. How about the Winnipeg Jets, though, being in the three spot? They probably have been my biggest surprise thus far. And it's just, again, another reminder of how great Connor Hellebuck is. I mean, this guy really might be the best goaltender in the entire NHL. Year after year, seems to find a way to have the Jets in contention. Mark Shifley has been really good for them. Unfortunate blow, though, Kyle Connor just suffered a, a serious injury, and it sounds like he's going to be out six to eight weeks, I believe it is. So is probably their best goal scorer. That's going to be a tough blow for the Jets. We'll see if they can remain at the top of the Central Division without him. In the fourth spot, another big surprise, probably right up there alongside Winnipeg, 
is the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I had them. I think I had them being fifth or sixth, probably sixth in the Central Division when uh, predicting the standings this year. But I think just how close they are to the top might be the biggest surprise. They're 16, 13, and 0 through 29 games. And having a record above 500, I didn't expect that out of the Nashville Predators. Philip Forsberg has been phenomenal. And how about their two ads? And Ryan O'Reilly has been excellent as their top line center. And Gustav Nyquist has been really good on the top line as well. UC Saros continues to be one of the best goaltenders in net as well. That has the Nashville Predators in the four spot right now. The Arizona Coyotes went on an absolutely crazy run recently to get up to fifth in the Central Division. They've been kind of uh, ho-hum since, but still looks like they're ready to take that next step in their rebuild as a young group. The St. Louis Blues, as I mentioned, 13, 14, and one currently have 27 points. That has them in the sixth spot, one point behind the Arizona Coyotes. The Minnesota Wild got off to that awful start to the season, which led to Dean Evason getting fired. Ever since, just like the Edmonton Oilers, Stuart Skinner has been great for them. Same with Philip Gustafson. He's been much better for the Minnesota Wild. It's funny how much better your team is when you actually get competent goaltending. The Wild have been playing better as of late, but they got a uphill battle ahead of them. They still only have 24 points and are under 500 on the season. That has them in seventh place in the Central Division. I think they have to be the biggest disappointment. If not them, then the St. Louis Blues. And then, of course, our Chicago Blackhawks dead last still under 20 points with 19 on the year. looks like they're going to be in the mix for a top three pick for the second consecutive season. But as far as the central division goes, I still think it's Colorado or Dallas. I mean, I just don't see any of these teams being deep enough unless they make a serious addition at the deadline, which a lot of these teams aren't able to do. I think it's either Colorado or Dallas. Those are the two serious threats coming out of the central division. The two, the two teams that have a legitimate chance at winning the Stanley Cup this season. Everyone else, I think, is just kind of there in the mix. But the Western Conference really does feel like it's wide open. I mean, in the Pacific, yeah, the Vegas Golden Knights are great once again. But other than them, the Vancouver Canucks are off to a great start. The Los Angeles Kings feel like probably one of the favorites. And then it's Colorado and Dallas. So probably one of those four teams, or maybe you could throw the Canucks in there as well, one of those five teams feels like are the most likely candidates at this point in time as we start to get towards the halfway point of the regular season. It feels like one of those teams are the favorites to make it out of the Western Conference. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up today's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. And if you're an audio listener, make sure that you're still subscribed to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. It won't cost you anything. And also that way you can get the latest episode as soon as it becomes available each and every day. As always, I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Do me a favor, go and give me a quick follow on X at Jack Bushman too. And also go and follow my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, go Hawks. Let's go and pick up a W tonight up in Seattle. I'll see you all on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.